Welcome to Heating Up, a podcast about climate change, our dangerous future, and what you can do about it. I'm Corinne. I'm Derek. And yeah, welcome. Thanks for listening. Welcome, welcome. back. 2020. Almost. Woot woot. It will be by the time this comes out. Wow. New yeah. decade, new us. Yeah. New year, new us again, Corinne. <laughs> We've been saying that every week since the new year. Last year. Last year. Yeah. It's worked out so well. Yeah. I mean... Well, thank you for listening to us in this brand new and dangerous decade. Yeah, (laughs) even more dangerous than this last decade. It's extreme. It's it will be the extreme decade. (laughs) Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So, how was your Christmas, Grant? Uh, you were there. It was decent. Mm -hmm. We did two Christmases this year. I no real complaints. I get a little bit of the post Christmas blues. Do you? I do. I really like Christmas. I like that there's Christmas lights up. I like that there's lots of excuses to eat candy. I feel like you're at the point in your life where you could become the Christmas lady. Oh, I fully would be if I had any money at all. And I like a house. You know, like I might have like a Christmas twenty four you know, three sixty five. But actually there's something to it being a small period of time. Uh, but yeah, after Christmas, I get a little bit depressed uh-huh. about it being over. Well, that's why we've got this lovely podcast to record, to live in your spirits, Corinne. I know how much you love disaster news. It really does brighten my day. <laughs> Speaking of, did you get any uh, prepper-related, any climate change emergency I got an gifts? emergency gift from you uh, it, instead of the... Uh, it was not a knife that I threw. Not a knife. <laughs> Very similar. There is a sharp aspect to it. Um, one of those emergency car tools where you can break the windows and cut your seatbelt. Yeah. Um, what I need to figure out is it looks like it mounts in the car, but it doesn't actually have any mounting pieces. Screws, yeah. Yeah. So So I'm thinking possibly I'll just get like one of those big rubber bands and rubber band it to my visor. So I figure that'll be close to wherever I am in the driver's seat. And if it's rubber band tightly enough, it'll probably stay. Not a bad idea. Pretty well. And then I don't have to worry about like hurting my car in some way by like... Just drilling random drill screws into, hills into a car, yeah. Right. So I think that's what um, I'll do. And then I gave for the white elephant exchange, which ours is not um, use gifts necessarily. <laughs> um, I gave a life straw, which I got. Which you got. I got out of a life. it was stolen three times. You might yeah. might call it a hit. I feel like our podcast had a lot of effect on this year's uh, family Christmas. white it elephant. It did. There was a, a fire extinguisher. Yeah. There was the the life straw, and there was something. There was like. A, LED flashlights or like some sort of like other, you know, blackout thing. I know that there was definitely a breathalyzer. That's true. That's <laughs> Which, what I brought. Is that what you brought, yeah, really? That's I brought funny. The breathalyzer. Um, so, yeah, I didn't receive a ton of emergency related, but that one is a good one. Very practical. Yeah, I got uh, a new Leatherman or the, uh, the Gerber power tool or hand tool, multi tool. From Dad and Marie. Uh, from Dad and Marie. Yeah, I was in on that one too. I don't know if they mentioned that. I like but... that. I did. I did hear that you tried to talk Dad out of my favorite gift. Okay. Which was <laughs> I, did... I got a Liverpool jersey. Does or Dad kit. listen to this podcast? Yeah, I'm sure he does. <laughs> okay. I got a Liverpool kit, uh, which is great, Sadio Mane on the back, mm-hmm. and I was super happy about it. And then I go over to my dad to thank him, and he says, "Yeah, Corinne told me it was a bad idea, so I'm I glad you liked it." I did not tell him it was a bad idea. <laughs> what happened was he he kind of pulled this idea from something he saw on Facebook, which I appreciated that he like. That's the real spirit of Christmas is like, I thought of something you said months ago and I thought you'd like it. That sort of a deal. But the thing was, you had such a good detailed Christmas list. Like when he said that, I was like, not one clothing item was on your list. Not, not even one. And so I was like, hey, dad, uh, yeah, I don't know if he will like it or not. 
Uh, he's a really great Christmas list, though. If I was just going to go on list, if you want to go off list, I will go in on it if you're really confident on this choice. Trying to make him see the error of his ways. I'm going to go ahead and say it. I prefer off list, off list gifts because I, I don't like, in general, the idea Telling of writing someone. out a Christmas gift list. Because then it's like you're writing a shopping list out right. for things you want and... I just can't do that very well. Right. I don't like it. And then you're not surprised. You're like, oh, you read the paper that I wrote right. about what to give to you. That's, so. And that's what I said. I, 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 he had the best intention as Christmas gifts because it was truly what you should be doing. But I was so not confident you wanted it at all. <laughs> I was like, oh, God. Like, I mean, for weeks I'd been telling Brent. I was like, <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't think he's going to like it. Oh, God. He's going to be so mad. He made such a good list. And then we got him off list. Why would I be mad? So, well, just because you're like, oh, I thought you'd be like, okay, thanks. Like, this is a random shirt from a, yeah, I mean, I kind of mentioned that guy one time. You know, I didn't think you'd love it. Did love it. Very good. Yeah. Anyways. That was our Christmas, I guess. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was Hopefully, good. all the rest of you out there had a uh, wonderful holiday season. Merry. And you're ready to start 2020 with uh, some climate disaster news. <laughs> That's how we want to start everything. <laughs> Everybody wants to start that way. Karen, right. are you ready for the news today? Uh, We're going to do classic news and nonsense. So I've got like five or six news stories, all bad. <laughs> <laughs> and then I've got a nonsense story that I heard. One? Uh, just one random nonsense. Uh. And uh, yeah. You ready for it? A vintage classic. I already have post-Christmas depression. Perfect. Oh, this will just, you know. Worsen it. Yeah. Put a nice climate shine on it. That's all right. My therapist will get the extra money this month. Exactly. (laughs) Maybe, you know, you could embrace the chaos. New year, new you. Mm, That's the same me, but all right. (laughs) All right. You ready? (sighs) I guess. All right. Well, first year in review, 2019. Climate crisis linked to at least 15 $1 billion plus disasters in 2019. So over the course of 2019, we covered quite a few disasters. 15 of them, uh, of these events, cost over $1 billion in damage. Uh, and more than half of those costing more than $10 billion. Oh, Lord. So extreme weather, including floods, storms, droughts, and wildfires, struck every inhabited continent in the past year causing devastation and loss of life. Uh, Floods in Argentina, Uruguay, and in January this year forced 11,000 people from their homes. Cyclone Day killed 1,300 people in Zimbabwe, Mozambique, and Mowali in March. And Cyclone Fanny struck India and Bangladesh in May and June. And a stronger-than-usual monsoon killed almost 2,000 people in India. Richer countries were badly affected as well. Storm Eberhard hit Europe in March, and the typhoons Foxy and Hagibis battered Japan. Wildfires, of course, laid waste to farming areas in California, caused more than $25 billion in damages here this year. Hurricane Dorian swept in. And this was... This whole study was done before you could even calculate the effects of the Australia wildfires. So there's another one. <laughs> are they going to be over a billion? I guarantee it. Okay. Which are still going strong. So big year for climate disasters last year. 2020 probably going to heat it up a bit. Oh boy. Yeah. yeah. Good placement. Yeah. You ready for the next story? <sighs> yeah, I guess. Australia wildfires again. <laughs> what? Yeah, you guessed it. So thousands are told to evacuate out of a vast area in Victoria in uh, Australia this week. Uh, the area of the residents of East Gippsland, which is an area half the size of Belgium, were told to immediately leave their homes for threat of fire. 
And then as the, I was getting this ready today, there was an update that said 30,000 people who refused to flee have now been trapped. They're essentially oh. surrounded by fire. There's no Okay, when they roads. say refuse to leave, are these people who are unable to leave? Could be both. <laughs> um, but this is like a, a, like a vacation. I mean, obviously people live there, but it's known as like a vacation hotspot. In- yeah, but lots of people who live in vacation areas are completely uh, impoverished. I get it. I'm just saying. I, I don't, it's just said that they refused to leave. They were all given evacuation orders and they didn't leave for one reason or another. They may have had no money or way to get I'm out. I'm not blaming them. I'm just simply saying 30,000 people. I'm saying it's an interesting way that they say refuse. Fair enough. All right. Ready for the next one? Yep. See, we're powering through already. <laughs> I'm like trying. Yeah. <laughs> get to it. Typhoon Fanphone, P-H-A-N-F-O-N-E. Hmm. That's what I'm going to go with. Gotta I've never be. heard it said, so I've only heard it read. It killed at least 28 people in the Philippines after Christmas. Mm. Yeah, the typhoon ripped across the central Philippines on Christmas Day, uprooting houses, wreaking havoc in popular tourist areas, and devastating festive celebrations, and killed another uh, at least 28 people with at least another 12 missing. Uh, known locally as Typhoon Ursula, it slammed the eastern Samar province on Christmas Eve. Several islands were severely flooded, houses were torn apart and washed away, and trees blown down, while disaster agencies reported... Uh, that many major roads became impassable due to the storm. Great. Merry Christmas. Yeah. All right. Also in the Southern Hemisphere this year, I feel like this one's summer, Southern Hemisphere-centric. Okay. Uh, the Hot Blob. Have you heard about this? Hot Blob? No. Seen any pictures of this? No. Yeah. So there's a vast patch of warm water off of New Zealand, oh. which is currently, it's the biggest patch of above average warming on the planet right now. So... A spike in temperature to up to six degrees Celsius above average uh, is though this massive patch of ocean off of New Zealand. It's been called an anti-cyclone weather system. Appearing on heat maps is a deep red blob. The patch spans at least a million square kilometers, an area nearly 1.5 times the size of Texas, or four times the larger than New Zealand. It's pretty Ocean. huge. Yeah, it's huge. James Renwick, the head of geography, environment, and earth science at Victoria University in Wellington, said that the scale of the temperature spike near the sparsely populated islands, uh, Chetum Islands archipelago, was remarkable and had been building for weeks. So... I'm sure that's not going to be a bad thing that there's this giant heat blob in the ocean. <laughs> is it? Is there a reason why that specific spot warmed more than the other areas? Do we know? Well, they're saying it's because the, there's, like, no wind there. So, like, as the water temperature rises or falls, it affects the, like, wind mm-hmm. and the currents. And so because there's no wind blowing over the hot water and the currents aren't moving it, the water's cooling. just kind of sitting there and getting hot. Like a cup of water out in the sun. I bet you someone's going to come up with a great idea to come up with a machine to just move the water around. Wait till our uh, bad our, our nonsense story, Craig. <laughs> I You're knew anticipating it. it. But first, we got to talk about Donald Trump. Oh, do we have to? Yeah. So Donald Trump uh, took back up the war on wind this week. Uh, <laughs> he hates wind. He hates it. <laughs> so I've got some great Donald Trump. You know why he hates you, wind? It's his hair. It's his mortal enemy. Well, most people think he hates it because his golf course in Scotland. They were going to build wind turbines like right next to it or on the property or something. And so like that's what started his hatred of wind turbines. It's absolutely his mortal enemy because of that. And if he has wind on his hair, he exposes his most shameful what he thinks is a secret. Uh, Either way, uh, he has uh, studied his enemy, according to Donald oh, Trump. So, I, I, the quotes, art of the deal. This is one of those just great Donald Trump quotes where like everything he says is so ridiculous and weirdly phrased. Uh, he said, quote, I've studied it better than anybody I know. (laughs) 
he asserted in a bizarre segment <laughs> over a weekend speech to young conservatives. So he was at one of those like Turning Point USA events in Florida at Mar-a-Lago, uh, where he's spending the holidays. He said, I never understood wind, even though I guess he studied it more than anybody he knew. So, you know, I know windmills very much. They're noisy. They kill the birds. You want to see a bird graveyard? Go under a windmill someday. You'll see more birds than you've ever seen in your life. They're made in China and Germany, mostly, Trump said of wind turbines. But they're manufactured. Tremendous, if you're into this. Tremendous fumes. Gases. Spew- gases are spewing into the atmosphere. You know we have a world, right? What? <laughs> this, is, this is a direct quote from our president. You know we have a world, right? So the world is tiny compared to the universe. So <laughs> tremendous. Tremendous amounts of fumes and everything. How many times a day do you think he says <laughs> tremendous? Okay, so like... I'm not done, Corinne. Okay. I'm not done. You talk about the carbon footprint. Fumes are spewing into the air, right? Spewing. Whether it's in China, Germany, it's going into the air. It's our air. Their air. Everything, right? So after he started talking about the... The fumes from the windmills. I think probably the production of windmills is what he's talking about. It's hard to to understand what he's talking about. But he then got into his real gripe with the windmills, which is the color of the windmills. Uh, You see all those windmills. They're all different shades of color, he said. Some are like sort of white, but one is like an orange white. It's my favorite color, orange. (laughs) (laughs) He set himself up. Uh, Then he said, you know what they don't tell you about windmills? After 10 years, they look like hell and they start to get tired, old. He said, lamenting that owners of aging windmills are not replacing them, I guess. I think all of his sentences start off with, um, I'm really great. Yeah. I did this really great thing. You know what I learned? And then an assortment of fragments. Yeah. It's very fragmented. Very Fragments of, of what he maybe saw in the Fox News? What it reminds me of is... Like a kid in high school who has to go up in front of the class and <laughs> yes. give a report on something he has the vaguest notion yes. of, but he's got to fill three minutes. And he's you know? spitting out and just, so just fragments. As many facts as he can remember from half-forgotten YouTube videos. He's like, Australia, it's big. Kangaroos, have you seen them? They're just everywhere. Like, he just kind of is just bullshitting his way, trying to get through the time. Like, as soon as the time is up, he's like, I'm out. He makes Michael Scott look intelligent. He kind of does. But either way, so Donald Trump continued his war on windmills. And here's the thing. Like, he stumbled into some decent enough points. Like, this is the problem with Donald Trump. He's so wrong about everything. And yet, when it comes to this, he's not wrong that windmills have been linked to bird deaths. In fact, a 2013 study by the Wildlife Society found that fatalities in California resulted in more than half a million birds, including 83,000 raptors, such as bald and golden eagles and things. So they do kill a a ton of birds. We've heard that before. But here's the thing, like, it's almost disingenuous coming from Right, you don't give an S about birds. (laughs) Exactly. Or it's like, you know, he talks about the manufacturing of windmills is still industrial, right? So this is one of those, like, higher-minded criticisms of green tech, which is that it still relies on industry, right? But he wants to bring the coal industry back. Yeah, because you almost (laughs) don't want to give him credit for making a halfway decent nuanced argument because that's not the one he's trying to make. No. It's like, so he does not care. I don't know, but... Poor Donald, either way. Poor Donald Trump. Poor Donald Trump. I didn't mean to say that. Not poor Donald Trump. Poor us. Yeah, poor everyone who has to listen to him. But yeah, uh, Donald Trump back to tilting at windmills. And then he admitted orange was his favorite color. (laughs) I think he was being... 
No, he was not making a joke about himself. He has never made a joke. He doesn't about have that himself. much self-awareness. He isn't smart enough to do that. Other like intelligent people are like, oh, I'm a little self-deprecating. It makes me seem lighthearted and fun. He's such a narcissist. He doesn't know how to do it. Yeah, maybe so. But like Michael Scott, yeah. Yeah. All right. Anyways, that's my last. Oh no, I have one more bad story. Oh great. Yeah, so there was a report that was making the rounds this week on the internet. I don't know if you saw it, but it was uh, about Hurricane Katrina. So Okay. Go all the way back to 2005, Hurricane Katrina. And the tragedy of Hurricane Katrina caused 540 oil spills, among all the other major disasters of, you know, life and, you know, property lost during the hurricane. 540 oil spills were caused in the aftermath of Katrina. Oil companies have yet to be held accountable... Yet, have to, be yet to be held accountable, accountable for a single one. <laughs> I'm not surprised. And so, now there's probably a statute of limitations. It's been too long. There's no statute of limitations, and yet there's uh, 14 years after the hurricane, not one assessment of the damage to natural resources after the two 2005 hurricanes has been completed. None of the 140 parties thought to be responsible for the spills have been fined or cited for environmental violations, and no restoration plans have been developed for the impacted ecosystems, fish, birds, or water quality. A review by the Times-Picayune and The Advocate and ProPublica found. Uh, over the same period, some of the very same companies responsible for spills have gotten reimbursements. So some of these companies that should owe the state of Louisiana money have actually gotten over $19 million from a federal trust fund that allows private parties to submit claims for expenses occurred during cleanup. So they made money off of spilling the oil. I'm not at all surprised. Yep. They also described the spill as a result of unforeseeable acts of God. What? Uh, when they, you know, fold these things out there so they, they don't have to be like, how could we have foreseen a hurricane in the hurricane zone? But, <sighs> How is that even a thing? Acts of God. Yeah, so here's the thing. For failing to hold people up to accountable for these uh, spills, Louisiana is likely leaving on the table hundreds of millions of dollars in environmental remediation money. When BP spilled 134 million gallons into the Gulf of Mexico, you know, the Horizon spill in 2010, they agreed to pay $8.8 billion to help restore the environment. If the companies responsible for the Katrina and Rita spills paid at the same rate, Louisiana would add up more than $700 million to its restoration budget. That's not going to happen. No. So literally, the state of Louisiana is owed $700 million, for, at least, from these oil companies, and they're refusing to collect. Why? Because they just love the company so much. I guess, I don't know. I just don't understand. They're just refusing to hold these people responsible. It's free money. Not even really, but because of course the they companies would dearly. fight. And the companies would of course fight it. And yes. uh, and now it's, yeah, like you, there's no statute of limitations on collecting, but so far away, it's hard to point out what is and isn't, uh, you know, a direct response or a result of their spill. I don't understand when people don't have their anger in the right place. <laughs> When they idolize some sort of capitalist company that gives them a job and yet owes them so much money for unpaid. Okay, that's fine. Neither here nor there. Yeah, yeah that's... Uh... It's actually right here, but I just don't have... <laughs> I can't understand. So, craziness. Louisiana, I guess, has just failed to even hold anybody even remotely responsible for 500 plus oil spills. Ridiculous. I Thanks, Derek. That is all of our news. We do have one nonsense story, though. What's the nonsense? So for any new listeners, sometimes we do news and nonsense. And the way I like to do this is I point out the news, as we normally do, and then I point out a story that I was reading, which is ridiculous. 
So in the environmental news segment, sometimes you find these ridiculous plans to save the planet or ridiculous <laughs> stories. Um, oftentimes for us, that has to do with geoengineering. This one's similar, but I thought you might appreciate the headline for this one, Corinne. Okay. Heat the Arctic to cool the Earth, scientists say. Are they basically saying to melt Arctic ice to cool the rest of the Earth? Yes. So I got this story from the Climate News Network. So this isn't like some crazy right-wing website. This is a site that I normally go to get, you know, news and notes for our sections. Whose dumbass idea was this? If you tell me a scientist, I'm going to lose my mind. This is an idea so dumb, only a scientist could come up with it, Corinne. Because they're so, like, in their own box, they don't look at all of the other factors for it. So... Uh. Let me just read you the thing here, and then you can react, okay? So, with politicians failing to cut greenhouse gases fast enough, the only hope may be to find a different way to cool the planet. Fair enough, I guess. One group of researchers has put forward an idea so incredibly stupid that only an expert could think it up. Is that direct no, from that's, the article? No, that's my okay. comment. <laughs> you added that bit of commentary. They want to artificially heat the Arctic up, so much so that the sea ice disappears even in the winter. The researchers believe this would have the beneficial effect of cooling the planet down. Uh, they argue that with the Arctic ice already expected to d- disappear during summer months within the next 30 years, the large increases in temperature and changes to the polar climate already certain, uh, we should turn this radical shift to our advantage. Uh, their point is that politicians seem unlikely to cut the greenhouse gases, so where it's going to melt anyways, if we melt it all in one go, it'll be like dropping the temp real quick. Okay, and then, but then... But then the ice will never return, no? Yeah, basically, <laughs> I think is. But they're they're. I think that these scientists are saying, well, it's going to be gone anyways. Like eventually, it's just not going to be there. When period. they melt this ice, isn't it like exposing all sorts of diseases at the same time? Could be. Also, animals need that ice. You right. Know, the, the polar, polar bears, bears are done. <laughs> just say goodbye. But I think to that polar that's bears. their point. Is like basically we already have to say goodbye to them only slowly. Uh, and in no way that benefit like actually drops. You know the what this reminds me of that that horrible book, uh, the Golden Spruce, where that huge environmentalist cut down that beautiful tree yes. to say, "Screw you! What's this one tree?" Kind you know? of. Yeah. Anyway. I, I mean, like, he was making a point. He um, was making a point. Also, that is a great book, by the way. I haven't read that in years. It's definitely a good, a good recommendation. The Golden Spruce. That's the name of it. I don't know the author, but look it up. Good book to I read. I read it. I have it. You're, you gave it to me to read it. I'll bring it back for you. Yeah. If you want to reread. No, I'm just saying. I a lot of it. a lot of boring information about the logging industry right up front. I'm going to tell you right there. <laughs> uh, I know a little bit more about the logging industry than I would ever hope to. But good book. Yeah. Anyways, back to melting the Arctic ice. So the idea is, in principle, to ensure that the warm currents of the Gulf Stream, known by science as the North Atlantic Oscillation, continue northwards across the Arctic Circle the whole year round, this would release massive amounts of heat from the ocean into the atmosphere and beyond that into space, so cooling the sea and ultimately the Earth. The Arctic Ocean ice cover works as a strong insulator, so essentially the ice sits on top of the water and slightly warm under the ice. It acts like an igloo, you know, like right. how you get, so basically getting rid of that cover, it just feels like such a terrible idea. Like this can't possibly be a good plan. We have no idea for how long that would help. Yeah. Well, it gets even worse when they start getting into the fact that like, uh, the problem needs to, uh, that needs to be overcome is that it's very, very cold and only mildly salty, salty water currently floats on the surface of the Arctic. So the Arctic sea ice is not salt water. It's fresh water. Hmm. So if you melt it. And what the water that it's sitting on is recently melted water, which is less salty, so more likely to freeze again. Mm. So you got to melt it and then let it not melt or not reform the ice. So in order to do that, 
they would have to hold on where does it say here they suggest three ways to keep fresh water out of the arctic so they have to divert fresh water out of it so uh, you have to prevent all the rivers of north america and siberia from draining into the polar ocean and so uh, <laughs> you have to do all this crazy stuff just to melt the sea ice to lower the temperature of the earth and or... this was a legitimate plan posted on climate news network so that's our nonsense for the day They've decided just go full. Just lean in to lean in to melting the Arctic ice. Yeah, for a mildly. Chain, for what? It would lower the temperature of the planet for temporarily. How long? I mean, we just as long as we're burning fossil fuels temporarily is the answer. So you're on board then, right? Oh yeah, I'm right on board for this plan. <laughs> wow. That's embarrassing. So that's the nonsense that, like, this is the thing about the nonsense stories. Like, I get their panic because, yeah, we are not doing anything to solve this problem. But this is not a great solution. Uh, sorry, guys. Go back to the drawing board. Oh, that's embarrassing. Make me a non-orange wind turbine this time. I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> so embarrassed. Well, is the orange turbine so that the birds don't run into it? I don't know. I don't, I've never seen an orange turbine. Me neither. I've only ever seen white. I think that's just in Trump's mind. Yeah. Well, maybe his whole vision is tinted orange because he did <laughs> stare at the sun during the... Maybe <laughs> Yeah. And he got too much of his uh, His cream in his spray. eyes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. All yeah. right. So that's the nonsense, Grant. News and nonsense. Done. Great. Are you ready for the prepping segment of the day? Let's get prepped. Let's get prepped. So this week we're going to talk about... How to get your pets ready for a disaster. Corinne, you have like a dozen, 14 cats. Zero. So. I have zero pets. I have not even any plants. I've killed them all. So most people have some fur babies that they oh love. Boy. I hate that term. I hate it too. <laughs> have some pets in their house that are members of the family and that you would want to protect in a disaster. I would much, like most people would much rather see harm befall a human before they see it befall an innocent, you know, dog. I'm going to disagree. <laughs> like, uh, I like animals, but I'm sorry. My pre- my preference is a human life over a dog's life. Nah. Nah. Wrong. Uh, Wrong choice. Not incorrect. <laughs> not incorrect. I mean, I, sometimes I feel like people who prefer animals over humans have not have seen true human suffering. <laughs> like, yeah, that's maybe true. Uh, I don't know. Uh, yes, I would like to save all the animals and all the people, ideally. All things being equal, let's say. Nobody wants to leave pets behind Correct. in a disaster zone. No, exactly. Or pets suffering a disaster. Exactly. So if you have pets, which most people do, you would want to plan for them just like you plan for your family for disasters. Right. So we should go over some of the major steps you should do to plan for pets. One of the biggest thing, uh, stories that was about with the California fires, mm-hmm. and I'm sure it's the same in Australia, is when you evacuate a home due to a disaster... You have to make the choice, leave your pets behind or take them. Mm-hmm. If you take them, oftentimes you run into additional problems. For example, many, many shelters won't take you. Won't take you. It's not that they don't like your pets. It's that pets they're not have, equipped. They don't have, they're not equipped. They have diseases. They can bite people. They bring ticks and fleas and all sorts of things into the shelter. They have to poop somewhere. Uh, it becomes a, you know, a logistics problem that they're just not equipped to handle. Right. So if you do flee with your pets... You all of a sudden limit your options of where you can seek refuge. Yes. So if your plan is to bug out with your pets, you should already kind of know where you're likely to be able to go and where you can't go. 
Yeah. So learn what the Red Cross says about having pets. Learn what some of the FEMA's you know standards are for pets. Learn where you can bring your pets, or have a plan somewhere, some personal house you can go to, some friend of the family that's willing to board your pets or something, so that you know what to do with them. When looking to care for your pets in a disaster, the same kind of rules apply as what you would want to care for adults in a disaster. So the first thing you want to do is, before a disaster strikes, have a plan, mm. right? So you want to make sure you know what shelters or places you can evacuate to except pets. And you want to get there quickly because those places fill up real fast. I bet. Uh, so know ahead of time what shelter or what places, hotel or whatever, will accept your pets so you can get there early. If you're planning on taking your pets. Other things you can do prior to a disaster, make sure your pets are microchipped. Uh, This is a good thing to do so that if they do get out or lost or if you're you're taking them for a walk at the side of a road and they run away, uh, they can be easily identified. Pretty standard fare with SPCA animals already. Sure. It's not that expensive or anything to get your pets microchipped. Sometimes it's like free if you adopt a dog. If you adopt it, they usually have them. Uh, Also, just collars and tags with their names on it and stuff Mm -hmm. is a good idea. Make sure your pets all have up-to-date information with your address or whatever contact information on it on their tags. Mm -hmm. Um use a buddy system so this is one make sure you have like this is just in general you should always have you know neighbors and friends that you can count on to swing by your house have neighbors and friends that you can count on to swing by and check on your pets so let's say you're out of town and a disaster strikes who's going to take care of your pets you should have somebody in place that you know your neighbor or somebody down the street who can help you or and they should know ahead of time that they're responsible for your pets so if you're leaving town for the weekend and be like hey if something happens will you make sure buddy's okay is make sure he's got all of his stuff or whatever so have a plan yeah. And have a buddy. And you can help them out when they're out of town. Sure. So it works out well. But uh, reciprocal help. <laughs> and then you want to prepare a kit for each animal. So just like adults need a bug out bag, you want to have your dog's bug out bag. Cute. Does it yeah. fit on the dog's back? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it could, <laughs> I guess. Although actually probably not because it's a lot of weight. Yeah. Uh, so you want to have a supply of food. So depending on who you ask, these things differ. I think the FEMA website says three days worth of food. Uh, most people would obviously want to do a little more. So just like adults, if you want to have two weeks of your own survival, you might want to think about having two weeks worth of food and water right. for your dog. Well, the or good your thing cats. is you can just combine the water in with your water. It's not a whole separate thing. Sure, you can, but you have to count it. Correct. So that's extra gallons of water and stuff a day. So however much your dog drinks or your cat uh, drinks or your bird drinks or whatever. So it very much depends on the species. I'm not going to give you a recommendation. I don't know them. So but really, a great for the end of the world, you should have a lot more water than a little chihuahua. I was going to say, you see, you really should get a pet bird. <laughs> yeah, pet birds. They drink like birds. Yeah. Um, anyways. Uh, again, one week supply of water, same idea. It needs to be fit to drink. You can include that in your own uh, water plans, but just make sure you factor that in there. Uh, medication, just like for humans, a lot of times your pets are on pills. Uh, make sure you have all that medication. Other things you can do for dogs and cats is they have like those anxiety pills. Like we give our dog some on medicine for 4th of July and New Year's and stuff. Uh, so maybe having some extra of that in your go bag so that you can you know, calm maybe your dog Maybe some down. for yourself. Yeah, some for yourself. <laughs> I hear Adamant's good. Yeah, there you go. Um, one thing that I saw on here, uh, copies of vaccination records, just like you want to have your mm-hmm. documents, you want to have documents for your dogs. So let's say you do show up at a, a shelter that will accept your dog and they're like, all right, let me see his copy of his rabies and Bordetella and all that. And you're like, the what now? <laughs> he's they're, good. Trust me. Yeah. They're not Don't worry about that, that foam around his mouth. So make sure he's got all of his records and that all of those shots and stuff are up to date. So yeah. good thing. Photographs of you with your pets to prove ownership is a good mm-hmm. one. Um, Photographs of your pets in case you need to make lost pet flyers. Again, 
uh, first aid kit. Sometimes there are specific pet first aid kits, but you know, generally you can what include. What would be a pet specific first aid kit? Isn't it all the same? Uh, maybe one of those cones for their head to keep them okay. off of stuff. So other things that you might need for your dog. Okay. Um, and then, of course, a carrier and a leash for each animal. Mm -hmm. So you do want a carrier, even if your dog is really good off the leash. Maybe we've in this already, chaos. Yeah, we've already talked about dogs off leashes in <laughs> places, but in an emergency, keep it on a leash and keep it in a carrier if you can. Uh, that way it won't run away. You know who the dog doesn't run away? Dog in the carrier. <laughs> doesn't get far. Doesn't get far. Uh, so make sure you have a appropriately sized carrying case and leash for all of your animals. Get, the, get those cats on leashes. <laughs> They're going to love it. They're, yeah, they always love I've seen it. a video. Put boots on them. Same deal. <laughs> oh, yeah. Kittens, mittens. Yep. Uh, caregivers of multiple animals for sure uh, need to have these cases. One thing I saw on here on one of the websites was put like an old t-shirt or make sure they have a blanket that smells good in there for them so they it calms them down quite a bit. Dogs and cats in particular are very sensitive to smells and new places and whatever else. So just to keep their nerves and anxiety down, just throw in one of your old smelly t-shirts, gym shorts in there. <laughs> uh, they'll love it. Poor animals. <laughs> they'll love it. Uh, let's see. Other things for dogs and cats. If you do have to leave your cats and dogs behind, don't leave them outside. So this is something that a lot of people think is a good idea. Uh, so like if there's, you know, if they're in the fire zone and the, the fire's coming, they say, oh, I should leave my dog in the so backyard so they can escape. And I don't know, like the, they say don't do it. It makes some sense. So I see why people might. They say the best thing to do is put it in the house. Um, put it in a, uh, a room that you can confine them, but that has good air circulation. So oftentimes like a bathroom or a laundry room or something like that, something that has ventilation. Um, and put a note on the door, basically. Pets saying, inside. Pets inside and what pets are in there or what pets should be there. And even on the outside of your house, there are these stickers you can buy that like firefighters can Baby use. Baby on to, board stickers, basically. Kind of, but they you put them in the window of your house or like right by the front door and it'll tell emergency responders like what what how many people and how many animals and stuff are in the house. Mm. So you can get these stickers that say, hey, there's two dogs in the house or whatever. Um, and you can put them in the bathroom, put the note on there saying, hey, here's my border collie or whatever. It's in there. Make sure it has enough food and water for 10 days or so, depending on what you have. But uh, water, you can even leave a faucet kind of running just a little bit. Like if it's, you have a bathtub, not, you know, overflowing, but kind of dripping and filling the bathtub a little bit so they can drink. But yeah, make sure there's water and food that they don't just get at in one day. I guess the theory is the similar if it's a flood or whatever and you can't take them. The second, the number one is to stay at your house for you anyways, yeah. too, right? Because if they go outside, these are domesticated pets. They're not necessarily going to be that good at hunting or finding themselves fresh water. So it's probably best for a domesticated animal to stay inside. For sure. Obviously and, a fire. And know. they can get out is the other thing. So like if there's, you know, a flood coming or whatever, even if there's, the dog is fine in their doghouse, they could come out of the doghouse, see the fences knocked down, get out, and then they're loose and lost and you didn't have you know in the chaos of a flood they can get into some real trouble mm -hmm. whereas if they're inside in your laundry room that's not going to happen know where there are emergency veterinary facilities outside of your immediate area mm -hmm. you know this is just as easy as google nowadays but just make sure if you know your plan is to bug out to the town three towns over or whatever know where you could take your dog in that town and that's part of you know your evacuation planning that we've already talked about multiple times having that plan already ready to go have it all written down so you don't have to memorize it we just have the names of some veterinarians out of your area in the area you're likely to escape to. Yeah. So that you can always bring your dog. Know where to search for lost animals. There's so many places nowadays. But so if your dog does get out in a storm, and this will happen, you know, even now it's almost New Year's. On New Year's Day, people are going to shoot off guns and fireworks and so many dogs 
freak out and escape. Yeah. Um, so know where you to go. Know the, the nowadays there's, you know, the neighborhood watch programs or the, you know, pet finders and all sorts of websites. But more than likely your dog gets turned into the local SPCA. So know where to check the, you know, what know where the local pounds and lost and found dog places are where you can find your pet if it does get separated from you. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, I think, our real quick kind of prepping for pets this week. Pet prepping. If anybody has any other advice on pet prepping, give us a call or Give email. us a call. <laughs> call email in. us. Uh, send us a note on Facebook. Let us know your plans for your pets. Yeah. Um, yeah. Show us their most cute Most of this go-backs. is like for dogs and cats, but I don't know. What if you have a weird pet? What if you're a weird person who's got like snakes? Iguanas or something. Yeah. I don't know. Or birds. Yeah. Birds are a weird one too, and they can fly away. And, well, I think a bird in a lot of ways would be easier. It's a little like smaller we... food, smaller water. You can get a little tiny cage. I mean, there are other things you should be doing for livestock as well. And livestock's a hard one to evacuate. I feel like our audience maybe doesn't have a ton of livestock. Maybe not. So so maybe we're not going to talk too much about that. Uh, If you do have cows and horses or whatever. You probably uh, already know better. You definitely know better than us. So uh, we're going to let you deal with that. (laughs) Good luck. (laughs) Good luck. (laughs) But yeah, so that's kind of a basic idea of just a lot of people don't think about it. So when they're getting their stuff ready for their family... Just make sure you're thinking out for Fido a little bit. That, yeah. you know, you're adding in the food and water for them and a plan to evacuate them. Yeah. So, yeah, pets. And comfort your pets. And pets are also a really good comfort, comfort for people. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, having pets with you can be a real calming presence. And you should be a calming presence around your pets as well because they're going to be freaked out. I remember one time I was cleaning our oven. Like, we had spilled a bunch yeah. of stuff in it. And so, you know, you turn it up to, like, you know, the bake at like 500 degrees to bake the stuff out and it smoked up my house real good and so i've got all the windows open in the house and i'm sitting on the couch watching tv waiting for the oven to clear out and it's smoking the house up and so my dog is like coming up to me like panicked like pawing my leg like we got to get out of here (laughs) this place is going down man (laughs) why are you sitting on this couch uh but yeah i was just like not leaving and so like she would paw me and then run to the door and then come back to me and paw me again and like come on let's go let's get out of here uh, anyways, that's my dog cute. disaster story. But she stayed with you. She did. She was going to go down. She was <laughs> going to go down with me. you. Uh, anyways, so yeah, pets, good to have in a disaster. <laughs> All right, well. Yeah, um, that way you and your 20 cats, Corinne, can be safe. <laughs> Maybe I'll get a bird. <laughs> no, just kidding, I won't. What would you get? If you had to get a pet, what kind of pet would you get? Like, for your birthday, Dreamland let's say. Dreamland or for reality? For right now. For in reality? Your house, what pet I can't do you want? have pets in my apartment. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's say you were going to break the rules like Ace Ventura. I would get a cat only because they're You're independent. Right, get a cat. They're independent. You don't have to do a lot with them. Okay. But I, yeah, no, though, the thing is, the whole pooping indoors thing really bothers me. <laughs> okay. Like, our cat growing up You can train cats to poop outside. in the toilet. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not smart enough to do that. Uh, but, like, I would really rather have a dog. If I could get a pet, I would want a dog. But... I would realistically have to get a cat. No, like tank pets. No. Oh heck no. Reptiles. No, no, no. no yeah, no, you no. seem like a like a. There's again with the clean, like having to clean a tank. There's an extra. Yeah, you have to clean up your dog too, right? Yeah, they just poop outside though, and you can just pick it up with a bag. But like, you have to like get like. I had a pet fish and having to scoop it just from the dirty tank into the little small, it was so stressful. It was flopping around and it was like, it always felt like so near death. And then cleaning it was just so boring and like a lot of work and I just could never keep up with it. Yeah, I don't like any, like 
It has to be kind of a mammal for me, I think. Yeah. They're the only pets that even show some sort of like, I don't know, people with snakes who say their, their snake loves them. I think it's just trying to eat them. They're kidding themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, even cats. So like we have a old cat. We were just at my dad's for Christmas and he's got a, like an 18 year old cat that was your pet in like high school. Junior high. Yeah. That pet, that cat will come up to you and want you to pet it and purr and be nice. And yeah, yeah I feel like even cats show way more love and emotion than any Snake. reptile or like spiders now we've ruled who out people who like reptiles listen we've already cleared out a bunch <laughs> of people well i think too it's just like they're more specialty you gotta have like a heat lamp oh there's and a so much work like a dog if i really had to i'd just say get get in the car you know like and they could they could kind of go with the flow a little bit better and be more they're more human like you yeah. know what is it demonstrative is that the word sure but like yeah a dog would be my preference if what I kind of dog where I want an Big Aust- dog, little dog? Medium. I want medium. an Australian Shepherd. Australian Obviously, Shepherd. Obviously, I would I wouldn't go and buy some uh, purebred animal, but if I could get an Australian Shepherd, some sort of a mix or something from the pound, that would be great. They're perfect medium size, very agile, but you know, the poop's not going to be enormous. But I can feel like a little bit they might bite someone if they try to bother me. I think a medium sized dog is really perfect. Pitbull. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Medium-sized dog. There's a lot of them at the front. All right, we're not going to get into pit bulls. Pit bulls are not my preference. Anyways. <laughs> I said an Australian Shepherd. I said an Shepherd. Well, I guess that's our show for today, Corinne. Yeah, pretty uh, good one. Yeah, thank you all for listening. We will see you more throughout 2020. 2020, new year, new us. All right, bye. Bye. <laughs>